0: Hey there, my name is Aaron Deal, and I'm a half-Southern, half-Midwestern mama, some call this voice a nasal twang, who took $5,000 to build and scale a one-of-a-kind experiential organization that improves the lives of corporate professionals through personal development, humanity, and humor. Along the way, I've built client relationships with some of the most notable companies in the country, all while attracting a rock star team of experts and hilarious facilitators. Sounds pretty awesome, right? Well, what I didn't tell you is that my resume also includes a long list of comedy shows I bombed, improv teams I didn't make, companies who told me no, and many a heartache when it came to becoming a mother. I want to show you the real deal of the grit, creativity, and determination it takes to overcome your disappointments, embrace the suck, and design the career you could only dream about. I believe we all have our own unique gifts that we bring to the world, and it is our mistakes that help to unwrap them. Welcome to Failed It. All right, welcome to the Failed It podcast, the podcast that reminds you, you have to fail in order to improve. I'm Erin Deal, the founder of Improve It and your host. And today, I am so excited to have our guest, Rosanna Canonigo. Let me tell you a little bit about Rosanna. So Rosanna is a native of Chicago, go Chi-town, graduating with honors from Northern Illinois University and began her professional career as a CPA at the global accounting firm KPMG. Now, in a career pivot, Rosanna then moved to New York City, splitting time between building a career as an actress while also maintaining footholds in both the accounting and small business worlds. So after a relocation to Los Angeles, Rosanna establishes her career in global feature film and TV series sales financing a distribution over a 12-year tenure at Lionsgate, leading her to her current role at Entertainment One, a Hasbro company. She has served on the board of FEME, is that right? F-E-M-E. Female Executives in Media and Entertainment, a nonprofit women's networking organization that is dedicated to helping connect women executives in media and entertainment. Rosanna currently resides in Los Angeles with her husband and two children. So, Rosanna, welcome to the Failed It podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. Appreciate
0: it. Yes, did I say F-E-M-E right? Is it Femi? How do you say that? We
1: pronounce it femme, kind of like a femme fatale. Um, Yes. Certainly, um, you know, lots of people have asked about that. Is it femme? Is it femme? But um, we call it femme.
0: I love it. Well, I'm so honored to have you here. And I think your career is fascinating. Normally, I would say, let's jump right into what we don't hear in your bio But I think it's so important to expand beyond your bio here, because I'm fascinated by something that I just heard in this bio. You were an actress while also in the accounting and small business world. I need to hear about that combination a little bit more and how it led you to Lionsgate than Entertainment
1: One. So after a kind of a, um, a brief time at KPMG, I found myself needing to kind of go in a different direction, which led me to New York and really explore more of the creative side of me and something that was more creative in its kind of space altogether. A bit of the opposite, a pendulum swing from being working at a a CPA firm. So I decided at that point in time to pursue acting. And I was enrolled in Um, a two-year conservatory. And I was, you know, I had um, some reps at the time who were sending me out on auditions. And I did some black box theater and um, I did some print work. And it was really a pretty amazing experience at that point in time in my life. And um, I worked a few roles on some of the TV shows. So it was kind of an important period of my life that I think really impacts me today. But at the same time, because it was you know, acting, the pursuit of acting or that type of career, um, it, it's it's really a long-term commitment. And you do need if, if if it doesn't take off right away, you do need to kind of support yourself and find yeah. a means to support yourself. And my means to support myself was to continue onward with, you know, my background as a CPA. So I worked, you know, part-time in a mid-sized accounting firm. Um and then I also picked up a few jobs for small businesses, you know, kind of being their accountant and doing their books for them. And that gave me so much flexibility in terms of, you know, when I needed to go out in auditions and when I needed to, you know, leave for rehearsals, it was kind of my own way of navigating, you know, how do I pursue an an acting career? And how do I, you know, utilize my um, education in accounting? and, And it worked because, there were a lot of people who were very open minded about what i wanted to do and didn't mean need me to serve as you know a fully employed full time employed person and so i just made it work that way
0: I love it. And then, because I'll be honest with you, that was somewhat of my career. I had absolutely no background in accounting. Let me just tell you, that has been (laughs) learned (laughs) over time as a business owner. But it is such a fascinating thing because, as you know, we do professional development um, for organizations. My company, Improve It. We use improv comedy to train on soft skills. So we work with all different types of people from accounting firms to um, creative. Right, and so a lot of times when co- accounting firms specifically ask us, "Well, will this resonate? Will this work with my team?" They so, they bring us in, and it's a big stretch. They feel like it's a big stretch, but it honestly isn't. So it's just so interesting to me that you have this juxtaposition of both acting and accounting, because a lot of people act or serve tables or act and do something else that's more along those lines. But you went the opposite way and had this awesome background in accounting to serve you and to fall back on while you're pursuing this awesome career in acting. So kudos to you, Rosanna. Thank you. Thank
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I had a more practical backup plan. It does make people cock their heads, you know, especially at that time. It was a very kind of weird left brain, right right brain kind of endeavor. Um And, you know, I don't think a lot of people necessarily knew what that was or saw it, but certainly that was my road. So I just, you know, I just took it. That is amazing. So then you
0: relocated to L.A. after this this world in New York between acting and accounting. Right. And then you reestablish your career um, in a global feature film and TV series sales. And you did this at Lionsgate. You worked there for 12 years. So I want you in this time period, and maybe you can even back it up for me, but it seems like going from one coast to the other coast, moving across the United States, having gone from this acting world and accounting world into this huge company, Lionsgate, that was a big jump for you. I'm wondering if there were any things that happened or any stories along the way that would contribute to what we like to call your failure resume. And, you know, this is the Failed It podcast, so we're going to get into those failures a little bit. So is there anything along that route that you can tell us about your failure resume? Because our audience is primarily leaders and organizations We also have people who are in the comedy world who listen to us as well. So I think this is, you're a very interesting person to understand how you got where you are. So I would love to hear some of the failure resume stories that happened during this time.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it was because I had, I'd spent some time in New York, you know, endeavoring to build up more of a robust acting career and, you know, keep, you Know the side job as well, but I felt you know, along the lines of failed that I just felt like I was spinning my wheels in New York and that that setup might have just been that I was afraid at that time that that might be kind of all there is, and I didn't feel that I was making any real um gains at the time. And so, I think when you are you know, a comic or an actor or a director, when you're in the 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 field of entertainment and creation, you have to explore different environments and different territories. And that's where I was. And I thought that I was coming to a close um, in New York. And I really had to find out if there was something that was going to happen for me in LA. And so, you know, on one hand, I felt that, you know, it wasn't really working in New York. But on the other hand, that made me think that, well, if this isn't working in New York, where might it work? And, you know, I was headed off to LA. And uh, and on that note as well, like my, personally, there was a growing kind of relationship that was working to support me as well to go out to LA. So it was just a jump that I felt like I needed to do. And I, personality wise, um, don't, I don't have too much resistance to kind of finding and jumping into that new opportunity is kind of you read in my my background is I get very inspired by something new and that I feel like I can do and I'm very inspired by. So kind of relocating to Los Angeles felt like a new opportunity to really explore and jump into.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think too, how long was it once you got to LA? So when you left New York, did you have this position with Lionsgate set up, or when you was that when you got to LA, you found that position and and sort of went right into it?
1: Yeah. So no, I did not have that that position at all. What happened was I went to LA and I um I tried to recreate a similar setup in LA than um the, as I had in New York where I was um trying to pursue acting. I, I found an agent. I, I had representation. And I was working a bunch of um, different jobs for small businesses. I didn't have um, kind of a, a heavier set midsize accounting firm that I had in New York as I did in LA. So it was much more piecemeal. And I did that, I would say, for maybe one to two years and found that it was you know exhausting, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's very big, and you have to drive everywhere. There's a, a much bigger commitment to commuting. And unfortunately, I found myself in LA without the black box theater satisfaction, there were that had kind of gone away. There wasn't as big a community that I had found. Um, the roles that I was going out for, unfortunately, just weren't kind of making me feel very satisfied or very happy. So, I think. When I had found a temp job um, at a smaller company, it wasn't quite Lionsgate yet, but it they they did need me not quite full time, but more than just a few hours here and there. I took that to help kind of support what I needed to do at the time. And it was a small business; it was like thirty some people at the time, but uh, it was a really good community of people and colleagues that were very focused and very passionate about um, movie making. And I got swept up in that. And I just kind of picked up the the business from there. And the love or the pursuit of acting really kind of started to just fall by the wayside because I my attention and my focus and my inspiration was just focused elsewhere. And then that company was bought out by Lionsgate and from there, my career trajectory on Lionsgate just kept moving forward and moving forward and moving forward. And a lot of those people that I actually started with 12 years ago are actually, you know, still there, and I still maintain really good contacts with them.
0: That is awesome, and so so interesting because every path is different, and what path you thought you were going to LA for quickly turned, and that's that's just a lesson in life for everyone to even think about right there is that you think you're going one way. There is no straight line. We had a guest on our show recently who said that there is no straight line. So you zigged and zagged and now it's gotten you to this really great place. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want to talk about in that, in that space of starting your career in LA and even as an actor, let's talk New York, then LA, because I, Used to audition all the time, Rosanna. Oh, my God. I was like, you know, let me buy myself a lottery ticket after every audition because it's like playing the lottery. And you hear no so much more (laughs) than you hear yes. So do you think that that acting experience that you had in New York and, you know, back even when you got all of these roles in New York, the Black Box Theater, do you think that? the rejection? Because I'm assuming there was some rejection. You didn't know. Oh, really there
1: was about. quite a bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can you quite tell us a, a bit. little bit about that life and then how that's helped you now where you're at today? And we'll get to entertainment one in just a minute, but how that rejection helps set you up for success at Lionsgate?
1: I 100% believe that a lot of those rejections and that you know, me knowing exactly what I wanted and not getting it and, you know, having to try to try to push for it and push for it and push for it. And now having a kind of a long time since then to reflect on what I got out of it. I absolutely think that that experience in my life a hundred percent impacted where I am today because I had to be incredibly resilient. I mean, it's like everybody says, no, you're not right for whatever reason. And you just can't get your head around it like you feel like you're right and why can't you do this and you know why isn't this working for me why can't i do this and and you feel incredibly capable and you want to be given the opportunity but you're not and um and then when you are given that opportunity it feels so incredibly short lived and it doesn't feel like it really affected anything and in those moments it doesn't feel like you're making any real gains but how um you know taking stock of where I am today, that definitely was incredibly character building. <laughs> 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 really character building. Um, and also kind of, you know, the, some of those, how that shapes you and being resilient and just understanding that the no really for that moment or that point in time in life may not be serving you in that moment, but maybe serving you in the long term, I think that's definitely something at that point in time in my life I never would have seen, and never would have thought of, but it absolutely affects me today, as well as the pursuit of acting because that art and that skill itself has its own values that I, I 100% use today um, that I, I fall back on. Um, the soft skills that you talk about and kind of reading the room and reading behaviors, I feel like, you know, something that I have grown and the core um, building blocks of those started when I was like, you know, in school and trying to, you know, hone in on those skills and try to kind of build a character and, and understand stories. And I, I, use, I use a lot of that today.
0: Oh, I love it. That's, I mean, I know somebody who's built a business on it. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. Do, have you ever done improv, by the way? Wanted to know that. Was that a part of the acting?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, part of the um, two-year conservatory program did include improv. So, you know, they were very kind of the basic level. And then when I came out to LA, I took, you know, a couple improv classes so I have a kind of a very rudimentary <laughs> introduction to improv. I know it can get really sophisticated and, you know, you can be you, that skill and that muscle can be really honed in. But I have a very, let's say, basic, basic level of improv in me.
0: That's hey, basic is great. Basic is better <laughs> than a lot of people, Rosanna. OK, um, but let me tell you that or say this to that point, I I grew up acting and dancing myself I was terrified of improvisation, by the way. I mean, to the point where I would get like the sweaty armpits, like my clothes would be drenched when I would force myself to go to classes. And it just became almost like exposure therapy. Because as an actor, you're so used, and as a dancer, quite honestly, you're so used to a script or choreography. When that's taken away from you, for me, it was terrifying. So I'm, I have grown this muscle myself, trust me, I know. And I have now leaned into it. But I know coming from acting, a lot of times, really theatrical actors or classically trained actors have a really hard time with improv because going off script is sometimes terrifying. And that's really what You know, you did. If I'm even putting this back into context of your life, you went off script with your career, and (laughs) you said, "I'm going to Lionsgate. I'm going full." This accounting degree has taken me places, people, Um, and you found this new script for you, and you you stayed at Lionsgate. You were there for twelve years. You said you've still got some really great relationships there, which is so exciting. So, tell us. What, if you don't mind sharing, how did you get from Lionsgate to entertainment one? And was there anything in there that really stuck out to you in terms of lessons learned or failures that you had along the way?
1: Yeah, I'll answer that, but I do want to just add to kind of your comment of being terrified of improv. I do want to add that I 100% know what you mean because when I first started really committing to that conservatory program in the improv class, I came from a background where you, I studied accounting. And I started to be a CPA and there, that, that's, it's incredible. It can be incredibly binary in its approach. So I was always looking for like the right answer at school really is in, in improv and improv. It was incredibly challenging for me because I was always looking for the right answer or something that I felt was the right answer. And of course, as you know, that's like, that's the furthest thing from what you needed yeah. to do in improv, right? So I struggled terribly with improv because of that. But it, you know, like I said, this, just this, that, that being exposed to that and understanding that I was so rigid, um, at that time in my life was, you know, I didn't know it then, but now I realize it was totally fine for me to, to not be so binary about it. So I think that, that helped enable me to understand my life. My larger life choices have allowed me to be more accepting of when things change, you know, to the extent that they feel a little bit more in my control than less um, out of my control. And to your question, um, what kind of led me to change between Lionsgate and Entertainment One, you know, going back to, you know, your theme of failed it, I was, um, unfortunately, I was... I was part of a whole restructure at Lionsgate. You know, at twelve after twelve years, Lionsgate had bought um, Stars um, Entertainment, and there was just um, you know a whole big merger, which led to a bunch of restructuring, which led to you know over the course of two or three years, just a bunch of layoffs between the two companies, and I was swept up in that, and it was it was terrifying because. I had done so well at Lionsgate. I had I had this really rock star solid community of people that I was there, and it had really been very impactful in my career in entertainment. And so, thinking that I would have to, and knowing that I would have to leave Lionsgate because they they gave me notice, it wasn't sudden. So they were incredibly kind. Knowing that I would have to go and find a new place, and a, a new way to work, and a whole new community, it was really really terrifying. Um, and I decided for myself because I had been there for so long and I didn't really know where I wanted to go and what would be right. I took some time off um, to focus on family as well. I had by then very two small kids. Um, and I decided that I wanted to just take a moment to take a breath, take stock of everything, spend time with my family and gear up momentum to kind of go into something that i wanted to do um and not do something out of a reflex and out of a panic and you know some days were better than others if, I, if i'm honest you know there's yeah. moments of panic where you wake up and i'm like oh my god what am i doing this is you know this is really scary and then there are other moments where you know i tried to be very thoughtful about you know who i was meeting with and researching companies and um it took a long time. And it, you know, if anybody's following in the entertainment world, there was so much um, change in the most recent years that I actually was very scared that I had waited a little too long to figure out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go because the uh, entertainment world was retracting in, in a certain sense because of consolidations and a change of um, audience behavior. But I did end up knowing somebody at entertainment one when a role had opened up and I chased that role. I really like called everybody that I knew and really, um, you know, went in for it and I got that role and I was, you know, very excited about getting it. So I think the, you know, my endeavor from Lionsgate to to entertainment one wasn't something that I knew I was going to do. It was something that I discovered um, after quite a bit of processing and after a bit of soul searching and, you know, something to be said about timing and opportunity and, and you know, having friends and community people to kind of also rally behind you when you really want something. So um, I was really very grateful for all of those things coming into pl- into place at the right time.
0: Sure. Hey, Failed It fam. Are you a leader for a small or large team that's stuck working from home? Are you missing the in-office happy hours or training sessions that allow people to interact and get to know each other? Are you sick of staring at a spreadsheet and you want something that will not only enhance team morale but also build soft skills? Then Improve It has your back. We've pivoted all 11 of our in-person soft skill training workshops to this virtual environment. Using Zoom, we'll create a memorable hour and a half experience that can train your team on things like effective communication, leadership, thinking quickly on your feet, presentation skills, and networking all in this virtual environment. Leading a team of interns? Let us wow them with our Career 101 workshop leading a sales team who's figuring out how to cold call or even warm call in this virtual world, have our team of improv professionals facilitate our sales training workshop. If this is the spice that your team needs to get out of this work from home rut, email us at info at it.com. Again, that's info at it.com and that's T O it.com. Or you can head to our website, it.com to learn more. We would love to help you improve your it virtually, whatever your it might be. just so I can give our audience an understanding of where you were at at Lionsgate, I'm going to, your title wasn't in your bio. Um, You were the VP of International Strategic Content Planning and Sales Operations at Lionsgate. That's right. That was your title. That's a big title, Rosanna. Okay. And then (laughs) now you're the Director of U.S. Sales and Distribution for Film and Television Content at Entertainment One. That's your current title. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So you're doing big things here. All right. I'm really, I mean, wow. And the timing that you took in between, what was the time, what was the amount of time between Lionsgate and Entertainment One? And I'm asking this because I know there's a lot of listeners out there who think there's, you know, the world ends. I know that yeah. a lot of people during this pandemic have lost jobs, right? Yeah, things have yeah. shifted. Um. So what period of time was that between Lionsgate and Entertainment One. And really in those moments, are there things or lessons that you learned? I know you mentioned you really had to soul search, but could you kind of, if if you're talking to somebody right now who wants to know, how do I find the perfect job like you found at Entertainment One after a setback, what would you say?
1: Well, I think it's going to be a whole collection of different moving parts. Um, I, I, so the, let me answer your first question. First, the, the amount of time between Lionsgate and, and Entertainment One was about 18 months. And um, that does seem like a long time, but I want to give more context to that and say, like I took about six months right after Lionsgate to just not do anything. You know, take some time. Spend some f- spend time with friends. Learn to cook. Go exercise. You know those those types of things about like self care that I felt like I really um, didn't prioritize at Lionsgate, especially towards the end. Um, and I, I prioritized that for the first six months. And during those first six months, some very major things happened. So I went. I decided to take those first six months because I was very confident. I felt very good about where I was at Lionsgate and that I had. I had rallied up quite a bit of experience and Lionsgate is, is a great place to get experience because it's kind of right in between. It's it's considered a mini major whereby you, you know, you're not quite the likes of the studios like Disney or NBC, but you're pretty large. You're not a small company. So I felt like I had, I could pivot either up to kind of the um, studio levels or I could pivot up to um, um, a more senior level at a smaller, you know, production company, say less than a hundred people or, or something like that. So I felt very confident, and so I thought, yeah, I'm going to take six months. And what happened in that six months was these major mergers happened. Um, Disney bought out Fox, um, NBC bought out Sky, the um, AT and T buyout of Warner Media finally closed. And what that did in that six months, while I was, you know, t- doing a lot of self care and taking time off, was it froze so many roles and all these big companies large and small were rethinking what do they need while the whole marketplace is contracting and they were there was a lot of hiring freezes there was a lot of reevaluating what the roles were and the role that i was doing which was you know strategic planning and kind of distribution was really up in the air about you know it's priority because the SVOD platforms these standalone SVOD platforms were really becoming a priority uh, versus you know selling out to third party and so once i realized after i took my 6 months once i started you know reaching out to people and i started to realize that the market had changed significantly in that 6 months that i had kind of you know stepped away i felt very nervous and felt very scared because the prospects that when I took stock of it were starkly different from when I kind of re-entered to say like, okay, I'm ready to get back in. And I was you know very scared. And um, I was pretty resilient in this, in the fact that I really did diligently just keep asking to meet with people and asking people about their companies and asking people about their culture and just let people know that I'm looking for work. I also never... Never let go of the fact that I really needed to continue to prioritize myself like it, as scary as that was, I really still kept that part of me up because it really did keep that part of me optimistic because I was you know getting nervous about where where was I going to land and where did I want to go or was I going to have to you know um here's here's a thought. I thought for a moment and I did some reevaluations. Would I have to revert back to my career kind of as a CPA, which to me felt like a step back because I had moved away from that world, but I could do it. And, you know, I wasn't sure that the jobs that I wanted to do in um sales and distribution were out there for me. So I, you know, I I kept toying with maybe taking an, an accounting job in the meantime, um, just to make sure that I have some, you know, money coming in. I had a family to help support and people are always afraid that the more time that passes, the more difficult the job will be for you because people will wonder why you're, you've been out for so long. Um, and, you know, those things really can add up and make make it feel incredibly scary. But I did, you know, I just kept asking people for coffee or I kept my nose to the ground about, you know, what those roles were. I uh, I did apply for roles that I felt that I was completely right for and roles that I felt like I wasn't completely right for because... Kind of that auditioning process, in, you know, in New York, made me feel like you know what, I just got to go out and I just got to be talking to people and I just it's my audition process. I just got to keep doing the audition process for the role that I want. And then when I know that there's something out there, then I'll really, really kind of put a full core press on it. And so I almost, you know, took a couple jobs in accounting just to you know make ends meet, which I think is not a bad road to take. I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to feel like I'm still just going to continue to weather the store and I'm just going to still hold out for kind of the job that I am looking for, which was, you know, a continued role in um, closing and negotiating deals for films and TV series, you know, and I got it here in the U S whereas, you know, at Lionsgate, a lot of that was internationally based. And um, just meeting with people in the community, that are in the space and just saying you, you know, you're still out there. You just want to know what they're doing and what the the companies are doing. And having something that is yours, meaning like I still, you know, took the opportunity to do a lot of self care, prioritize my family, hang out with friends, go on you know trips. I still really made that something that was positive in my life and you know inspired me. So it didn't feel like everything was down when I didn't get some of the roles that I really wanted, those setbacks is that didn't work out because um, I didn't want to make or create a narrative for myself that everything was hanging on just that next position. Um, And so when this opportunity came up at E1, yeah, I, I, I had a lot of people that I had already, that had already known that I was out and looking and I had the right skill set for it and, you know, I just went in and I really kind of fought for it and I got it and I'm very happy that I did hold out for it. And also because I continue, I did keep up that self-care and, you know, prioritizing my family. It's much easier for me to, not that it's easy, but I'm saying it's easier for me to, to come to work and say, this is a priority for me because I never let it not become a priority for me. And so that daily balance of like going all in at work, but also maintaining all in for home and, you know, making sure that I, me personally feels happy. It's still like an everyday juggle, but I do feel because I went into it knowing that, you know, family is a big part of who I am. When I come to the table, it was a lot easier narrative for me to come in and say, this is who I am as a person. And this is what I can bring to you as a company.
0: I love that, Rosanna. That speaks to me so much. And we talk a lot about filling your kettle here so you can fill other people's cups, teacups, if you will. And I think that a lot of times, as women, if I'm going to be honest, I think a lot of times we – it sounds like at Lionsgate, you – you had to reset from Lionsgate and your career. You had two small children. I have a 10-month-old little nugget myself. So I navigated this as well. But I think a lot of our listeners are moms and they have kids and they have careers and they feel the constant tug of war towards each. And the fact that you came in with this narrative and priority to anyone is really great because you set that boundary up from the beginning. And work is a part of you, but it's not all of you. And I think that shift in your mindset sounds like was really pivotal for you in your career and just what you want from your life. So thank you for sharing that. I know that a lot of people will listen to that and hear that because I think we can always be reminded. A key priority. Yeah.
1: And uh, you know, if I may circle back to one of the reasons why I felt like that was truly a priority for me because it was it was a bit of a lesson learned. And you know, kind of trying to get back to the failed it is those last few years at Lionsgate during the restructure, I had my two small children and there was just so much going on. The the company was growing and the company was at the same time, also looking at where they were going to be cutting people. And that puts everybody on guard and that puts everybody on defense and everybody very nervous. And I think something that I did, and rightly or wrongly, but what I did is I tried to hide behind my career and tried not to prioritize my small children at that time. And I still kept going like a thousand percent. You know, I would say, and early, I was still making a lot of early international calls and staying pretty late and really getting pretty exhausted and and also a growing guilt and resentment of not being um, a part of my family the way I wanted to be, the way I be happy and be fully present and It started to really take a toll um, because i wasn't you know i wasn't prioritizing them, and then I started to feel that I was making these decisions. About how I was going to present myself at work, so that I was like bulletproof. You know, they're not. I'm not going to be part of the um, the restructure. And um, you know, when my time came, I realized that there was just some things that are just out of my control. Um, And I I learned that through the failure of like no matter what I had done. You know, ultimately there are just some things out of your control. Looking back made me realize. You know, I I I maybe didn't have to give up as much as I did, because ultimately, again, there are just some things out of your control. And so therefore, I thought this is going to be my time to kind of reclaim and, you know, um, redesign myself. And that's why going back into the working world, I was like, okay, I learned that, you know, I can be all in, but I don't have to completely give up or, you know, to the extent that I did, you know, really backburner some of the things that are truly important to me in my life. And so therefore, I'm really making sure that that's communicated. And then I, you know, I hold that close to heart when I go to work.
0: I love that so much. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it's a constant reminder for moms, working moms everywhere. I really do. And I think when you can set those priorities in in place for yourself and go in with those priorities and know this is a boundary for me, My, my family is important, You can't, they're saying you can have it all, I think is something that is really not a great saying. You can't have it all, but you can feel the blend of work and life in a different way. So, man, I love that so much. Yeah. And it's, it's just, I, I, you know, I, I'm an entrepreneur now, but when I was in corporate America, I did the same thing. I didn't have children But I would do similar things to make myself bulletproof. I like that you said bulletproof. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of women can resonate with that. And there are just some things you cannot control. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to call that what we call our chicken champion moment. Okay, so the chicken hat is something we use that improve it. You're like, what is this? Um, So the chicken hat is something we use in our workshops. It's literally a hat, Rosanna, with chicken legs. We use it as a tool to get people comfortable with the uncomfortable And I think if I'm listening to your failure resume, essentially, your most important lesson that you learned by becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable is don't lose sight of the priorities. Would you say that would be true? Your most important lesson is just know that there's things that you need to prioritize and know that some things are out of your control. But as long as you have what's important to you and what you value in check, that's what's most important.
1: Yeah. I think it's two pronged, right? I I think you nailed it. It's don't lose sight of the priorities and you cannot control everything. You just can't. And I think for me, that's the, those two big, those are the two big factors that allow me to, to try not to panic (laughs) because there are moments of panic, right. That try not, they're just, there's only so much you can do. And so like, I really try to hold dear and to the best that I can, you know, like keeping the priorities front and center And work on that blend, like you said, because every day is a different blend of all of that, but really working on that blend.
0: I love it so much. Okay, so I want to ask you three things. If you could share three action items, just really quick, like one-sentence answers for each item, if you could share three action items for our audience to improve themselves Based on learning from your gifts, because in improv, we say there are no mistakes or no failures. There are only gifts. So I'm going to call all the things we talked about your gifts. What would you say are your three action items for others to improve themselves
1: based on what you've learned? I would say the gifts from my own life would be to try to live with no regret um so like when you make decisions try to think ahead to say will i regret not doing this you know um as a way to motivate yourself to do something that might be scary so try to live in the like i don't want to live with regrets and another gift is what you might be 100% committed to do and it feels like it might be failing might be serving you longer like in your your longer story it might actually be part of the overall story so you'll take it with you is the next gift I would say I'm gonna keep it short and sweet and I guess the third one is you just you won't know unless you try right yeah you got to try it in and if you don't try it you just won't know and that's something for me I um it's, I guess it's along the lines of the no regrets, right? Like I can't, I, I don't feel like I could personally walk away from something without trying it. If it was something that I really felt that I wanted to um, experience in my life. So hopefully mm, that-
0: I love those. Okay. Those are good. Those are three. I love those three. And I know our audience will love them as well. Rosanna, what would you do if you knew that you could not fail?
1: What I would do is I would really try to be much more of service to my community and to businesses. I think you read off of my bio that I served on the board of FEM, which is a not-for-profit women's networking organization. So if I knew that I couldn't fail, I would really just endeavor to be way more supportive of particularly um, women and young women to help them grow and to be, you know, a an advocate for their careers of them to be able to say, yes, they can and, and they could do it and they should do it and be a sounding board or a community center or something along those lines that would be of service to the community and likely to to women in particular so that they can be way more successful, more so than they maybe think they can be or more so than they know they can be. Um, because there's somebody maybe down the line that says you can. So that's what I would love to do if I knew I wouldn't fail.
0: Mm. Yes, yes, yes. I'm giving you praise hands over here, girl. Yes. Took me to church with that one. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what did you fail at today? It's, it's two o'clock in the afternoon, almost Eastern time. I'm coming to you in Eastern time. What did you fail at today?
1: I failed at as much as I was saying, oh, I prioritize myself today. I was supposed to go and exercise in the morning or go for a walk. I'm trying to do that. And that's a hard one for me, (laughs) even though I'm at home. We're all quarantined at home. It's like I I really need to go get, you know, I'm stuck in the computer and on calls, you know, pretty much daily. And I I know I need to get more exercise and um, I try to do it in the morning and I failed at that this morning. That's okay. There's tomorrow. I have to try again tomorrow.
0: (laughs) That's what I always say. There's tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, here's this lightning round we like to call Fail Yeah. This is a surprise to you. Okay. This is a little bit of improv, a little bit of thinking quickly on your feet. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I just want you to respond as fast as you can with only one word answers. So know that you cannot fail here. But if you say more than one word answers, I'm going to respond with a fail. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> This is gonna be quick. All right. You ready? Rosanna, are right. you ready? I, I guess so. Let's do it. Yes. Okay. One word to describe your early career. Exhilarating. One word to describe where you're currently at in your career. Perfect. One word to describe your future self. Grateful. (laughs) Okay. One word to describe your favorite boss.
1: Inspirational.
0: One word to describe your least favorite boss. Evil. (laughs) (laughs) One word to describe your management style. Fun. And one word to describe this interview. Fun. Yes. All right. (laughs) Rosanna, I'm clapping for you. These are golf claps all around. Yes. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Now, I know, is there anywhere else we can find you other than LinkedIn? We'll put the link to your LinkedIn in the show notes in case people want to see your background. Anywhere else we can find you or anything you want to promote.
1: No, I think the LinkedIn is fine. I mean, I have my, you know, like everybody else, I have my Facebook and Instagram pages, but those are just, those are for fun. You know, you'll see my family, uh, you'll see, you know, things that I'm doing day to day, just kind of fun areas. But if you, you know, have any interest in what I'm doing um, for work-wise, career-wise, then, you know, you could always uh, check out my LinkedIn page.
0: I love it. Well, Rosanna, thank you so much. And I just want to say thanks so much to everyone who tuned in. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love for you to take a screenshot of you listening to it. Tag us on Instagram at learn to improve it using the hashtag faileditpodcast. So, Rosanna, like I said, you're an all-star thank you so much for being here. You have been a breath of fresh air. I know so many women listening to this are going to relate and we are just so honored to have had you on this show. So thank you.
1: No, thank you, Erin. You are a rock star too. I love what you're doing and definitely appreciate you inviting me to be part of your podcast. Thanks so much. I had a lot of fun. Thank
0: you. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Failed It. I'm so happy you're along for the ride. And if you enjoyed today's show, head on over to iTunes to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every Wednesday. I'll see you next week, but want to leave you with this thought. What will you fail at today and how will that help your future successful self? Think about it. I'm proud of you and you are totally failing it. See you next time.